And welcome into another episode of the Fieldhouse Files. I'm Scott Agnes. After 20 games, the Pacers are 13 and 7, despite nine players missing a combined 70 games. That's pretty remarkable to this point. Last year at this point, for perspective, with Oladipo, the Pacers were 12 and 8. Well, I'm in Oklahoma City, where the Pacers will face the Thunder for the final time this season on Wednesday. And my co-host, Dave DeFore, not in San Antonio. He's in Atlanta. Dave, what have you been up to? Uh, so I'm on a little bit of a road trip. I, I drove home. Uh, my dog had to have a surgery. And so my options for Thanksgiving were uh, leave her with someone watching her while she's recovering, which just felt mean. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Cancel Thanksgiving and stay home. And I'm sorry, but Thanksgiving is the best holiday. Or... I might have to argue with that. It's got to be Christmas. Uh, be- see, the food, though. Come on. The food is I'm great. I'm a food guy with Thanksgiving. Like, I could do without turkey. I prefer ham. I'd give me mac and cheese and mashed potatoes, and I'm set. Maybe a dinner roll. <laughs> also, Thanksgiving, <laughs> it's, like, acceptable to drink bourbon every single day. <laughs> yeah, I'm good with that. Also very nice. Um, or, uh, you know, load up the Subaru and, and take a road trip. So, so we took a road trip from, from Texas to North Carolina and now I'm on the way back and, you know, seeing some friends, uh, did the, did the no dunks podcast, um, you know, hanging out, saw, saw the Hawks and the Warriors. It was a barn burner. Oh yeah. Yikes. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it's been fun. It's a good trip and, uh, always good to run into your friends. I, I, actually one of the coolest parts about this job is, you know, when you go to the arenas, and you have people coming in and out all the time. You get to see everyone. And that's really nice. I always love that. Yeah, because part of it, especially you, kind of remotely more than all of us, you kind of feel isolated a little bit. Your own island to your own desk. So, right. yeah, that's when the games are great. I met Amari um, for the second time here in Memphis a couple days ago. That was cool to talk with him and see how things are going with him. You're, yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah, I love that. And I, I actually get to hang out with Chris Kirshner a little bit last night before the game and you know we talk sneakers it, it's it's really cool because especially being a part of the athletic and you know you're you're part of a team and so it's 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 nice to put like some you know shake some hands kiss some babies all that good stuff <laughs> right and you're not just communicating via skype or slack or text or what have you i'm with you well, uh, I know you're busy, so let's get right to it. I want to break down kind of what we've seen from this Pacers group so far. Really had an outstanding November after losing those three games in a row. They've now won 10 of their last 13 games. And I think you shouldn't mention that success without noting, yes, they've played a weaker schedule, but they've handled that schedule. And the only detriment, right. Dave, I think, in all that is the fact that a couple of those big teams, the, the proven winning teams, they did not beat, though they played tight you're talking about houston milwaukee uh and recently philadelphia on the second night of a back-to-back yeah so again couching every single statement with they've had an easy schedule that's part of it you have to win the winnable games good teams beat bad teams that is that is the one consistent thing you're gonna lose to some good teams right and and clearly this team is not elite they don't have victor and, and we already knew this coming in but at this point in the season, I am pleasantly surprised by how well they've been playing. I think that the losses are, you know, you don't love them. You don't love losing to the Sixers, but you can understand it. And so winning the winnable games gets you into the playoffs, especially in the East. There are a lot of winnable games, and they've been really, really good in these winnable games. 
A couple of things, Dave, that I think they've done much better at here this season over last year is, is their assists are up, they're rebounding much better, and a lot of that has to do with Demonis Sabonis. As he, he's just on a tear right now, averaging career highs. He's a guaranteed essentially double-double, has flirted with numerous triple-doubles, including the other night in Memphis. He's been outstanding, hadn't he? Yeah, 18 and 13. And, man, do I look wrong about his bonus. He's, he's an all-star right now. He is playing like an all-star. He's been fantastic. He's been the fulcrum of this offense uh, between he, he and Malcolm Brogdon. And, and, you know, before the when the season was starting, you and I said they needed to be a top 10 defense and they needed to be middle of the pack on offense. And that's exactly where they are. And I think that they actually have room for improvement defensively. They're not clicking on all cylinders yet. And once they figure this out, this this team might be the team that we expected in the middle of the summer. Yeah, based on defensive rating, if you want to go off that, they're eighth. And I think that's pretty strong considering entering this year, they strategically went after more offense. Again, nine new parts to this group. They targeted offensive guys, TJ Warren, Jeremy Lamb, and others, and yet they're still the constant with this franchise remains good defense. And, and I think that's imperative for them to have any kind of success. Yeah, but but back to Sabonis, uh, he's he's been a revelation. I mean, you you keep saying it. A double-double machine, but like 13 rebounds a game. That's massive. He's almost double digits in defensive rebounds, which, you know, it's easy to overlook. But defensive rebounding is is actually good defense. It's how you end the possession. And he's been fantastic there. Yeah, I give him a lot of credit. And what, what I love and it was seen is the offense when it runs through him. Because when he's at that high post and they just deliver it to him, then that's when it seems like this offense flows the best and really gets into their sets uh, more than anything. But you're, you're right with Brogdon Sabonis. I had this conversation with the Pacers exec last week is if you had to pick one, who would it be? And initially I said Brogdon, but then you get, I got to thinking a little bit and I think there's less competition perhaps at that center spot um, forward center spot. Maybe it's Drummond and bead. Who else is there? Vucevic has been missed time. I, I, I think you'd have a hard time going against a bonus. And I think he's also a guy coaches really appreciate and respect. And obviously that would have to be a vote in. Yeah. The, I'm sure the, the Pacers front office though, is like making calls, trying to, <laughs> trying to figure out a way for, <laughs> they want to dodge that bonus. Um, but you know, another, you, you brought up talking to some execs. I've been talking to some execs about Malcolm Brogdon. Nobody knew that he could do what he's doing with the ball in his hands. I, I mean, I thought, this is a great signing to go next to Oladipo when he comes back. And, you know, he's going to work well operating on the elbows with Sabonis, and, and their chemistry has been really good. But, you know, who knew he could be a lead guard for you? Yeah, and the fascinating thing to me, Dave, and all this, I was having this conversation about uh, Nate and his coaching philosophy. My story uh, will be posted here in the next day or two about uh, it was really cool in Memphis. We have incredible seats, second row. And normally, for fans that don't know, we're probably row 20 or row 50. Oh, yeah. Or up in a corner. <laughs> First concourse. C correct. So I saw Brendan Quinn, who's the outstanding writer up in Michigan, do this a couple years ago with John Beeline, kind of through the coach's eyes. What's he saying? What, he's do what is he doing? So that's a story I'm finishing up right now. And I had a long conversation with Nate today. I was like, you really weren't coaching much in that first quarter. What was that about? He goes, yeah, so Malcolm and I get together before the game, shoot around, walk through, whatever. We're scripting out what we want to do, who we need to get involved. And I put it on Malcolm as my point guard. 
This is part of his responsibility. It is on him to get other guys involved. If he sees a, sees a guy hanging their head or, or a little bored out there, get him the ball and do things like that. That truly was fascinating to me that he kind of enabled Malcolm to run the offense, calling plays. Nate was not really calling plays for the first 12 to 20 minutes of game action outside of maybe sideline out of bounds. And, and this is the sort of stuff that I point to with Nate McMillan, his player empowerment, the fact that everyone defends. I mean, you know, you mentioned looking for offense. I mean, they signed TJ Warren, not exactly a guy known for his defense, and, and he's been holding up pretty well. Uh, yes. This is the stuff that I point to with Nate, where I think he's undervalued as a coach. The, Nate McMillan is a top five, top six coach in the NBA. And this is another example. I mean, look at what he's doing with a roster. I mean, the injuries alone to the guys that aren't Victor Oladipo should be enough to have them out of the playoffs in the East right now. I mean, quarter of the way through the season. And yet, here we are saying that they're surprising us. Maybe we just shouldn't be surprised anymore that a Nate McMillan team is overachieving. I think what his one of his best attributes is reading the situation and being a manager. Um, and because you're right, they've gone through so much over these last two seasons. Unpredictable stuff, not the ebbs and flows of a season. You're talking a, a horrific injury to your star player. You don't know when he's going to be back. You're adapting on the fly. You've had to manage egos. Then this start to the season where they had guys in and out of the lineup where I felt, I think I said it on our last podcast, I felt like an injury beat reporter and not like a Pacers reporter. Every practice was just about who's available, who is not, and what TJ are we talking about today, essentially. And I think he's managed through that so well um, where you're right. He does not get enough credit, along with the assistant coaches, in this whole equation. Ever wonder how to get the hottest new sneakers, the ones that barely hit shelves? The answer is StockX, a revolutionary new marketplace for buying and selling 100% authentic sneakers, streetwear, watches, and handbags. With StockX, there's no hassle because StockX handles the exchange of every transaction, so you never have to worry about legit buyers or sellers. StockX has you covered. StockX uses the same principles as the stock market to make buying and selling as safe and as easy as possible, and it provides real-time market data for intelligent buying and selling and gives you access to tons of historical price data. Want in on all the hype? Check out StockX.com forward slash bball for a surprise offer that won't be around long. That's StockX.com forward slash bball. Check it out today. One of the things that I, that I do when I'm looking at, at the, you know, each quarter for a team, because I think that's a good chunk of games, 20 games mm-hmm. or so, you can look, all right, what's the trend over this quarter that they need to change? For this team, I really think they need a signature win. You know, we mentioned they're beating up on the bad teams. But they've got lost. I mean, they lost to the Bucks. They lost to the Rockets. They lost to the Sixers. They did beat the Jazz, but the Jazz have been scuffling. So, you know, I don't know how to judge that. I think in this next quarter, they need a couple of signature wins. Yeah, that's, that's a good be the key. That's a great segue, Dave, because you're you're absolutely right. There's not a signature win. Utah is up for consideration, sure. But come this next month, after the team finishes this road trip, which is Fairly straightforward after that Philadelphia game, OKC, Detroit, New York. Then you head home, and it's brutal, but you're at home for five of your next six. Boston, the Clippers, uh, you head to Atlanta for one off, then Charlotte, the Lakers, and Sacramento. If you could get one of those L.A.s and maybe Boston, 
that would be pretty sweet. And this is also where I want to mention this random nugget that just fascinates me. The Pacers at the end of this week will be done with the Detroit Pistons. All four games this week. They still haven't played Miami. They still haven't played Boston. And as of a couple days ago, they hadn't played Philly. That's where the schedule gods. I just don't understand it. <laughs> it is it is funny how that stuff works out. I guess this is like I, I'm I'm happy not to have to do logistics for 30 teams. <laughs> that, that seems impossible. Yeah, and you, the worst thing about it is the fact that you're never going to make everybody happy or maybe anybody happy because right. they're always going to be frustrated about one game they didn't get or, or those sorts of things. But yeah. do you think, is there any possibility they could pull off one against the Clippers, Lakers? Um, I think Boston for certain, but those L.A. teams are just playing so well right now. Yeah, I mean, you know, the, the obviously the Clippers, we know what they are, and the Lakers, I mean, 17-3 and three as we're recording this and, and just playing – some of the best defense in the league. Uh, LeBron James is like, you know, in the running for MVP, you know, it's, you know, we all know the storylines for both of these teams. <laughs> hey, and shouts out to Frankie Vogel, Western yeah, conference coach of the month for November. He's been he's still beloved here in Indy. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, the same defensive philosophy and, and principles that he, that he was preaching in Indy, he's, he's doing in LA and he's got buy-in and that's huge. Um, I mean, I, I do think, I want to see them win one of these games. I think it's important. I, I think that getting big wins is equally as important as beating the bad teams and, and, and not in the same sense. Beating bad teams means that you're at least, uh, you know, above average. That's that's it. When you beat all the bad teams, you're above average. But if you want to be good, you've got to be able to beat, you know, your Clippers, your Lakers, your Celtics. It doesn't mean you have to win all of them, but you have to be in it. And thus far, I've been unimpressed with with that aspect. And this is where, again, missing the elite talent in Victor Oladipo, the elite shot creation, the elite scoring ability, the elite playmaking, that's where it really shows up. Because, I mean, they're covering for him against these bad teams. But, you know, when you play the Sixers, and it's, and, I mean, it was a close loss, but it was still a loss. That's a, at the end of the day, that's what matters. And that was a situation where you missed your, your kind of late-game manager in Victor, the guy that you put it in his hands, because they were up one with 30 seconds left and a fresh shot clock. T.J. Warren throws it away. Then you try to inbound. Jeremy Lamb throws it away. Part of that's newness, although that now 20 games in, that feels more like an excuse. But that's where you just throw it into Victor's hands and you can trust that he'll do the, whatever is needed, whether take that shot, attack, and get to the line, or attack and, and kick out for maybe a, a TJ Warren corner three. Yeah. I mean, it, listen, they're, they're stacking wins. There's six of the last seven. That is a fantastic run. Um, Oklahoma city, Detroit and the Knicks coming up. I mean, they, you know, could be looking at nine out of 10. That's a great run to go on when you're going to run into the Clippers and Celtics. So, you know, maybe that momentum carries over and, they, and we get them, you know, we get to see them have two signature wins back to back. That'd be nice. Sure would. Yeah, and one one other thing while we're on Nate a little bit that I did want to touch on, mainly because I wrote about it last week, was the coaches challenge. I'm curious what you think about it just in general. Um, I, I hate how it slows things down. I hate it. But I, I think <laughs> yeah. what we found here is it's kind of worth it for the coaches outside of personal fouls. Those are not getting overturned. But looking back at it in this from league data from last week, as of last week, 63 um, – challenges were successful 89 were not so an overturn rate of 41 percent that's fairly high uh, of calls i thought it'd be more in the low teens quite frankly um 
And but overall, I, is it? The, I think the ultimate thing here, Dave, is the question: Is it worth the extra time, the delay in game, and maybe a killing of some momentum for whichever team is on top? I think perfect is the enemy of good. And this is an example of trying to be perfect when good is plenty. Uh, I'm out on replays in general. I think it does mess with the flow of the game. I, I think, you know, when, when you have an environment like we do around the NBA where we're constantly looking for ways to make the television product and the live product better, we're trying to improve it. You know, there was, a, there was talk of trying to get to a two-hour game. Anything like this that you add, the, the drawbacks are not worth the benefits. And I think that, you know, for me, I, I'm just okay with them sometimes miss, missing calls. By the way, they have an incredible rate of accuracy. You know, it's something like 96%, I think. Correct. Uh, right. Yeah. Right. And so, you know, that just should be good enough. Now, maybe it, it should be like last two minutes. Okay. You know, calls that are really going to determine a game. And, and, of course, there's the argument that a call in the first quarter – could be the difference between the game or not. I just don't care as a consumer <laughs> of the product, right? Like I'm okay with, and by the way, if you're the league, you should be okay with it because what do people want to yell about at the barbershop? What do people, you know, when they're hanging out at work talking sure. like, Oh my God, think about baseball, you know, when they miss a, a, a tag out at second base or something like you know, it's entertainment at the end of the day. I, I understand that part of this is about gambling as well. But for me, miss me with the replays. I'm all about, you know, technology and all this stuff. Maybe there's a way to enhance the replay so that you don't have your, you know, this huge stoppage. But I, I just right now, I don't love it. I, I think they could do they could be better. The worst thing I've found is it just how it slows things up. I want to say it was a Laker game last week that there was three replays in the final like 25 seconds and the game took like 20 minutes that's excessive we don't have time for that and nothing at this level in a november game or december game is worth taking our time a playoffs absolutely i think but not this not here yeah no i agree i agree we let's come on Let, let's let's keep it moving let's keep it moving we got stuff to do weekends are made for football and with so many college and pro games on the slate the DraftKings sportsbook app can make your weekend even better the DraftKings sportsbook app can get you in on all the action 24 7 365 days a year with so much going on this week they have great promotions running every day from odds boosts to free bets DraftKings has it all DraftKings Sportsbook is so easy to use, you can deposit, place your bets, and withdraw in a matter of seconds. It's no wonder DraftKings Sportsbook is America's top-rated sportsbook app. Plus, DraftKings Sportsbook will give new users a free bet just for signing up. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app right now and use code FAST when you sign up. For a limited time, all new users can get a free bet on sign-up. Plus, when you make your first bet, you get a risk-free bet up to $500. Don't forget, sign up with code FAST to place your first bet and you can get a risk-free bet up to $500. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Indiana only. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. A couple, a couple random things I wanted to mention. Victor um, and Edmund Sumner practicing with the team's G League team. Um, what this is is, prim- is just... The team, those guys are needing practice time and right. being away 
this today I think was the Pacers' first practice in about a week, maybe. Um, and so it's just it just works out for their schedule. They're commuting back and forth. Uh, I did ask Nate about that doctor's appointment that we've been awaiting for Victor down with his Miami doctor. Still has not happened yet, um, which still goes along with my school of thought that he's closer than to a month away than he is right. two weeks away. Um, which many people got a little too excited about. I think maybe a couple weeks ago when it was first announced, um, and we saw him doing some full contact work. I got to tell you, I, I mean, I'm not around the team like you are day to day, but the the lack of updates to a certain degree, I, I I would actually guess more like six weeks. Just just knowing how the league has sort of moved to to protecting players from themselves to a certain degree, taking a little bit of extra time. I mean, again, you know, I I've brought up Porzingis on this show uh, a bunch of times about how long he was out. And how good he looked physically, you know. Clearly, he's got some rust, but but physically looked good coming back from that injury. So I think that you know longer winds up being better. And, and as long as you're winning, especially the games that you're supposed to, I, I think you have the luxury to kind of hold him out a little bit longer, and maybe get him some more, get him some run with the G League. You know, get, then you don't have him rusty, and you're not messing with your rotations trying to find minutes, you know, for Victor where he can actually get those reps. Um, I'd be I'd be happy to see him wait a little bit longer because of how well this team's been playing. All right, so several points to that. First, uh, in terms of playing with the G League, that will be really interesting. I don't know if he will or not. Uh, as of last week, it was still undecided if he would actually play games for the Mad Ants. Um, to me, it, it, it'd be weird, I think, to see a star-level player. It would easily be the... The, the highest level of player that had played for the Mad Ants to this point. Um, but you raise that good question is, do you want to break up chemistry? And if, if they're rolling here, say for a week or two um, to break him back into the fold. However, they do expect that that's going to be, that's a third part of the season is for them to reinsert him back into the lineup. Um, and as far as timeline, I was just hearing before the season, like don't expect him back before all-star break, like being all-star break, being that timeline. But he continues to push it up um, in terms of what he's able to do and, and do more every single day. That that's why I, I think a general timeline or a sense of a timeline has has been pushed up by many on the outside. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm right there with you. I, I think that all of that is kind of where my head is. And, and you know, it'd be a very baseball move for him to go to the G League. You know, I, it, that just is common practice or it used to be. You know, common practice. A guy's coming back from a long injury, go down, get some at-bats in AAA, and then come up with the team and you're ready to go. And I think for basketball, it just it kind of makes sense. Get him out there, you know, 10, 15 minutes in the G League, you know, a couple games, and then, you know, bring him up and, and let him work his way back into the rotation without just completely wrecking the chemistry that you've got, which is why you're winning games. I mean, the, the chemistry for this team has been fantastic. It's not the talent. It's the chemistry. And it always has been with the Pacers because we know they're never going to get that elite talent, those, those star players. And so what they build on is a culture of development and a situation where guys can come in and potentially have the best stint of their careers. And um, this is something that excites McMillan and everyone else is the fact that most of their guys aren't even in their primes just yet. They're still 23, 25, 26 um, at this point. I mean, Sabonis, for instance, he's just 23. Um, and then to talk about a couple of the other guys that have really um, been strong, I think, in this early going, I think real, Doug McDermott's 
been solid playing off the bench. And I think a big part of that, Dave, is playing with TJ McConnell, who sets him up. And then he's also being able to do the two-man game with Sabonis with that second unit as well. Yeah, absolutely. All right, uh, to wrap things up here, um, Pacers will be in Oklahoma City coming up on Wednesday. Uh, We'll talk to you probably, Dave, at the end of the week to catch up. But anything else on your mind here is the Bucs, not surprising, atop the East. Miami in third, that, that and the fact that Toronto's in second, those are my two big surprises. But otherwise, I would say things have played out about where I expected Pacers in sixth currently in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, uh, I mean, I, Orlando has been disappointing to me. I, I was so high on them coming into the season, but but man, they, that offense is just atrocious. Um, Miami, Spolster continues to show why he was my my pick for best coach of the last decade. Um, just doing an incredible job and, and, you know, what he's done with Bam Adebayo and justice Winslow, I think is just mm-hmm. unheralded to a certain degree. Uh, Toronto, I expected this. I, I thought Toronto has been going to be great. I, I think that they might have a chance to come out of the East. Um, wow. The pace, yeah. That's the, bold Dave. I think, hey, I think that's very deep. bold. They're deep They're They defend, they don't have any glaring holes and, uh, Siakam, you know, with, with this second leap for him. Um, I think that he could fill that that Kawhi Leonard role that this team needed so desperately last year during the playoffs. So, um, you know, we'll see. Um, but the Pacers being sixth, I, I'm a little bit surprised. I, I, I thought they were going to struggle without Vic. And, and I had no idea that Malcolm Brogdon could do this with the ball in his hands. I, I mean, look, it makes you reconsider what the Bucks did last year, in particular in the playoffs when you see what he's capable of, because they really could have used this Malcolm Brogdon then. Um, and, and again, Nate McMillan showing me why he's one of the best coaches in the league. Good stuff, Dave. Appreciate it. We'll talk to you again soon. Sounds great.